Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. How are you doing tonight? Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports tomorrow will be live from Commonwealth Stadium. The Eskimos holding a mock game, so we'll have some football content, some uh, talk on the Stanley Cup final, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. We're keeping an eye on the NBA finals starting tonight, late in the first half. Golden State up on Cleveland, 49-41. Your scoreboard update presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. Hey, uh, in uh, this little clip here, you will hear a voice from the past. Do you have an update on Josiah St. John and how far apart you guys are? From yeah, the we're not going to comment on anybody that's not out there on that field. <laughs> Does that include an injury update on Jeff Knox and Justin Capcombe? <laughs> they're, uh, they're injured with their day-to-day. The only thing you don't want to comment, but John was on the radio last night saying they're not going to negotiate with Holdos, and John said some pretty strong things, and I wonder if that's cause kind of opened the door for his question what the status is. That's what yeah, you know, like, again, uh, we're not going to sit here today. We, let's talk about practice and that type thing. You know, we, we'd love to have him here, but unfortunately uh, uh, his representations made it very tough on us. You remember that guy? You remember that guy? All he did in two regular seasons as head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos is go 26-10 and 10 with a Grey Cup championship. That's Chris Jones, now with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So many memories of Chris Jones refusing to talk about anything he did not want to talk about. But that's a newsworthy clip as well because the person he was asked about, first overall pick Josiah St. John, uh, now apparently has formally requested a trade from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So to talk about that and other things to do with uh, the team out of Saskatchewan, it is Jamie Nye from CJME Radio in Regina. Jamie, former 630 Chet employee as well, of course. Welcome back to the show, buddy. How's it going? Until you stole my job. Oh, wait, no, that didn't happen. That actually wasn't me. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I, 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 I left uh, under my own accord, to be just to, to clarify... And left an opening so uh, Reed Wilkins could uh, become the star you've become. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I don't even know who actually replaced you when you left, though. Oh, probably nobody because I wasn't that, <laughs> that uh, yeah. worthwhile. Uh, so, uh, they just left that one open. Yeah, there's just a little teddy bear sitting in your own spot. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the CFL draft is an interesting thing because, uh, I mean, even, for example, DJ Lalama, who was the last guy taken in the draft by the Edmonton Eskimos, um, you know, had a look with the New York Giants. You're oftentimes um, taking good players but trying to also figure out who might be uh, available and not in the NFL or, or whatever. The Riders had the first pick. They took Josiah St. John, big uh, offensive tackle who looked like he was he was ready to play in the CFL. 
uh, it, it appears that this relationship has really deteriorated quite quickly, Jamie. And, and uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the agent in this. And sadly, Josiah St. John uh, picked an agent. And I know, know Jonathan Hardaway is the agent. He works with Enoch Mwamba, who's had some contract disputes. There, Matt O'Donnell, who's turned into a great offensive lineman for the Edmonton Eskimos, was originally drafted by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but had... Jonathan Hardaway, the agent, tough negotiations with the Riders. They weren't uh, willing to agree to terms on that, and the the trade happened that took Matt O'Donnell to the Edmonton Eskimos, and here's Jonathan Hardaway again with uh, a player he thinks is worth more than the Riders are willing to offer. Uh, And there's so many different uh, tentacles to this story. There's the money paid out to the top picks last year that, you know, teams, uh, many teams thought was too much, and GM's trying to bring that back to earth a little bit and that that's where you have the standoff now is josiah st john wants what the last year's first overall pick was worth and the riders don't want to spend that money within their philosophy so and now the news today he's requested a trade from the saskatchewan rough riders and the riders have said no to that it's it's a complete standoff and i think a lot of it has to do with the agent on this one all right. Well, well, this is interesting. I mean, is this? I mean, you know better than than I do. But I mean, first overall pick. He's a good player. Big. I think he's six four, six five. Big, good Canadian offensive linemen are valuable. Were you expecting this guy to start with the Riders? I mean, does he have at least that ball in his court where it's just like, uh, hey, I'm probably a roster player here. Or where was he? Well, he was, uh, you know, he goes to the uh, big school, Oklahoma, and that's where he's uh, out of, so a good pedigree there. But uh, there was some in and out of the lineup here and there in Oklahoma, and uh, is he a, a solid tackle? And that's where I think the riders project him to be is because if you get a good, if you get a Canadian tackle, look what Josh Bork has done with the Montreal Alouettes before he left this offseason. Those are a dime a dozen type players to get a good Canadian tackle, and that's what they hope Josiah St. John can be for the riders starter right away no i i don't think they were looking that route that's why you see well <laughs> in training camp they have about seven international offensive linemen for the two tackle spots but uh, eventually of course they'd like him to be what ben heenan was for 2013 who was a forced first overall pick who ended up being a solid right tackle and went to the nfl before his retirement so uh, that was that's where they want him to be not right away and clearly now that he's going to miss camp is what it looks like. Uh, he might not start until 2017. Well, that's an interesting situation. And, uh, I, I mean, look, we know we know the money in the CFL isn't as much as in, in the NFL, um, but he's still throwing away the chance to, you'd think, make a decent living as a as a 24-year-old guy. You, you wonder, and I, I don't know if you have a sense of it, you wonder what the gap is in the dollars. Well, the gap is is all in compared to Alex and Matias last year of Ottawa. When you're talking about base salary with a signing bonus with incentives, the difference is $20,000, $30,000, which is 20% difference. And, and, and uh, for a, a young guy, that's a lot of money. And, and when you talk about it, when he signs, now the riders are offering, okay, if you're not going to take it now, you're going to take a, mandatory one-and-one at minimum dollars and that's where the the big standoff is is now they're you know they're playing hardball and uh jonathan hardaway the agent is playing hardball right back so right now the difference is 20 30 grand 
doesn't seem like a lot, but that's 20-30% reduction in what you think you're worth, and not many players want to take that, especially on their first deal. All right. Well, uh, interesting, uh, interesting situation there. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see where that goes. And and as I heard in the clip, and I know I know you were all over that today. Uh, Chris Jones, as he often does, uh, not wanting to get into that. Uh, we're we're into training camp. Jamie Nye joining us here from CJME Radio in Regina. Of course, he's always all over everything going on with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, I mean, we talked a couple times when Jones uh, went there. Uh, and about his his reception and the excitement with the fan base, uh, how has he been? He, he made a pretty big impact with the Eskimos, obviously quite quickly. Uh, you know, obviously clearly a lot of work to do with the Riders after how they finished last year. We don't know how that's going yet, but the impressions of Jones so far running the ship there. Well, he's uh, he's very no BS uh, type coach, um, but drastically different than what Corey Chamberlain was. Uh, from uh, he he lets his I, I'm I, I thought Chris Jones would be a coach who came in and he was he was the boss and yes he runs the defense and uh, rules with an iron fist but he lets his assistants take care of uh, a lot uh, you really don't notice him on the practice field where Corey Chamberlain almost every second day he was calling the team together to rip rip them for their effort uh, et cetera et cetera and. Uh, that act got old really fast for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders during an 0-9 year, but uh, he, but he's no BS, and uh, I think Rider fans are uh, they're they're falling in love a little bit. That he's very endearing to the Saskatchewanians for some reason, where you know, you know kind of that uh, old farmer mentality of keep the answers short, blunt, to the point, not a lot of detail, say what only needs to be said so it, it, it's very interesting now we'll see if there's ever a losing streak uh what rider fans think of chris jones but right now it's a i think it's pretty close to a love fest with the new head coach and vp and general manager and defensive coordinator well yeah i mean i mean it, it's it's interesting here at edmonton because he won and I mean, I'm not saying Eskimos fans were, they certainly were glad when he left, and I think there's concern. Um, but I, I, and, and you and I talked about this, but I think it was just the way that he left and then the fact that he was replaced by an ex Eskimo. It's like people got over him pretty quickly. Again, if Jason Moss starts one and three and the Riders start two and two or three and one, or what, you know, that, that, then we'll see what people are saying. I will say this, and, and I don't think this is going to surprise you. Um, and the one thing you just said, Jamie, that didn't surprise me, he lets his assistants run the show. I don't know how involved Chris Jones was in the offense in Edmonton. I don't know how – I don't even know how interested he is in offense. And about a month ago I had uh, DeAnthony Batiste and Tony Washington in studio, speaking of offensive tackles, the two tackles for the Edmonton Eskimos. And I said, look, I, I'm glad I have a chance to ask you guys this because I, I kind of was critical of you during the season. So now I get to look offensive players in the eye and ask this question – it seemed to me the offense wasn't that creative. It seemed to me you ran about four plays over and over again and got really good at them. And they kind of laughed and said, yep, that was it. If we tried something new in practice and it didn't work right away, coach said, throw it out of the playbook, go back to what we know. So I, 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 I think that might be the offense you're in for in Saskatchewan this year. Uh, but it's an offense that won, and it's an offense run by Darian Durant, who's a, a, a smart, smart quarterback who can read defenses and he's been 
getting better and better with ball protection. And around him in this camp, the veteran from uh, Toronto a few years ago, John Childs. They brought in Kendall Lawrence. Uh, Rob Baggs had a sensational camp up in this to this point. Nick Dembski, and they have Naaman Roosevelt, who's another guy who's had seems like he's gone leaps and bounds from what he was. He only had 490 some yards last year, but he did it in 10 games. Once they finally put him on the field, which they should have out of training camp, but that's another rant I don't need to go on right now. But uh, so Darian Durant has these weapons and Curtis Steele that uh, I think four plays, two plays uh, with Darian Durant, I think he'll make the right read, make the right decision to make it work. Well, I mean, you know, you know what I think about Durant. I mean, he went from a guy who I thought was maybe a, a middle of the pack CFL quarterback, and I think if healthy. I mean, Kalaros is a bit of a wild card because you also know I'm pretty high in Kalaros. And, and as much as I'm glad the Eskimos won last year, uh, I, know, I know it could have been a different season if Kalaros was healthy for Hamilton the, the, the whole year. But, but Durant's a, the, an excellent player. And if he's healthy, um, you know, that's going to help the Saskatchewan Rough Riders a lot. I, I don't know if they become a a great cup contender this year. I think the, I, I think the Jones impact in a healthy Durant, uh, I, I think it puts the Riders into the playoffs. I really do. No, if Durant's healthy there, I, I think 10 wins, 9-10 um, wins is a pretty safe bet if Durant is healthy. Uh, uh, that's uh, with the different defense, the different attitude, just they were they suck a lot. Their defense was awful <laughs> last year, and they didn't have Darian Durant. Uh, so that three-win team was just you know, what without Durant and with a terrible defense, that you were going to get three wins. So with a better defense, you add two or three to the mix. With Darian Durant, you add four, and uh, all of a sudden you're a ten-win team. That's the well, that was the worst Riders team since '99, I think, both in record and performance. And, and I mean, you were really tough on Chamberlain last year. I, I, I at the times actually, Jamie, quite frankly, you 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 surprised me even with with how he just sort of infuriated you before he got fired. <laughs> and uh, and, and so. And that's another thing about Jones is he's not he's a new coach to the Riders. He's not new to the league. And you know what it's like. Athletes respond better to a successful coach if that success was in their own league. I mean, if even if Chris Jones had won the last five NCAA championships, it's not the same as having won in, in the CFL. And that's the clout he can carry into that and maybe change the attitude with the team too. Yeah, he's won everywhere. Uh, he's won absolutely everywhere he's been. Uh, every single job he's had in the CFL, he's won, and won early. Like First year in Montreal when they got together, they won. First year in Calgary, they won. First year or second year in Edmonton, they won. So uh, Toronto, first year, won. Like, uh, that, it is crazy how quick that Chris Jones gets added to a coaching staff and some way, somehow, it becomes a successful team with a pretty darn good defense. And that's why Craig Reynolds gave him the keys to uh, the house. He gave him the keys to the car, the boat. He's got the keys to everything <laughs> in Saskatchewan. Maybe not the Premier's office, but if he wins, I'm sure Brad Wall will give him the keys to that, too. And where is Corey Chamberlain right now? Uh, well, did you see him on the sideline last year in Pittsburgh? He was Because uh, he's Tomlin's he like Tomlin. buddy, right? Yeah, he and Mike Tomlin are very good friends. Uh, as is Chris Jones with Mike Tomlin. Uh, and uh, that's where, I don't know if that's where he's going to end up or where where he is, but he was definitely on the sideline doing some sort of quality control work with the Pittsburgh Steelers near the end of last year working his sources. 
All right. Well, maybe he uh, winds up helping out an NFL team. Interesting stuff. Well, uh, I think it's going to be an itch- it's going to be an interesting rivalry for a lot of reasons. I think this season between uh, Saskatchewan and Edmonton. So I always look forward to those games. Jamie, thanks a lot for uh, telling us what's going on. And I, I want to follow that St. John situation too, because uh, that is uh, holdouts of this magnitude in the CFL don't come along very often, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no problem. That's Jamie and I checking in tonight. Little Rough Rider talk, little CFL talk. Uh, Jamie's host of the Green Zone, CJME Radio in Regina, Saskatchewan. I'm guessing most of you listening aren't fans of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. As a matter of fact, I uh, just received a text regarding how one listener feels about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which I won't read (laughs) uh, because I would get in trouble. Uh, I mean, that, that's quite, who do you hate more, Saskatchewan or Calgary in the CFL? I think for a lot of you, certainly my mother, it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Forget about the uh, Battle of Alberta rivalry. It's uh, Saskatchewan might be public enemy number one for Eskimos fans, especially now that uh, Chris Jones decided to defect one province to the east. You can text 636 is the phone number. Rocky Thompson, former member of the uh, Oilers coaching tree, now with the Windsor Spitfires is ahead. Inside Sports on Ched. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ched. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 825. Rocky Thompson coming up after the 830 News. Yeah, the Penguins outshot the Sharks last night 30-22, 41-26 in uh, the first game. After two periods last night, the shots were 27-11 for the Penguins. They're 71-48 for the series, and they have a pair of one-goal victories. Uh, Dom says, uh, hey, born and raised in Saskatchewan, moved to Alberta five years ago. I listened to Chet a lot. Very excited as a Ryder fan to have Chris Jones after last season. Riders need all the help we could get, and who better to get than Chris Jones? Sorry, Eskimos fan, he is a Ryder now. Ha ha. That is from Dom. Let the rivalry rage on. Bernard on the other side. What's your last name again? It's Suin. I always forget if it's Suin or Ewan. Really? Yes. <laughs> it is a, 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 a name of, of a Asian origin, is it yeah. not? Are you uh, Chinese, Chinese? Japanese. You're Chinese? Okay. So yeah. your last name is S-U-E-N? Yep. And right. back in high school, everyone messes it up. Like how? Like, they would make fun of it, pretty much. Well, in high school, you get made fun of for a lot, unfortunately. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, hopefully, I'm not bringing up some bad high school memories here. No, they are hilarious. <laughs> uh, how, here's my, here's my here, Bernard. We're slowly teaching you about sports. You've learned a fair bit about the NHL in recent weeks. Yep. We need you to learn a little bit about the Canadian Football League. How many teams are there in the CFL? Um, I'm I'm going to guess it. About, oh my goodness! You don't even have <laughs> you don't even have an educated no, guess. No, <laughs> about sixteen. Uh, <laughs> well. There are nine. There are nine teams in the CFL. Okay. Now right, I know. So that, remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will remember that. All right. And we'll slowly learn more as the summer continues. All right, buddy? All right. Uh, we got to take a break for the news. 
Kirk Muller, by the way, hired as an associate coach by the Montreal Canadiens. Rocky Thompson, head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. Used to be an Oilers assistant coach. He's up next. Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Another show tomorrow, Saturday at 6 o'clock. We have the hockey game, Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. No inside sports on Monday. We'll have Game 4 of that series. 56-45, Warriors leading the Cavaliers in Game 1 there uh, early in the second half. Reed Wilkins with you. Gabriel texts again. He says, hey, Reed, what are your thoughts on Eric Belanger's comments bashing the Oilers recently? Uh, yeah, Eric Belanger on Twitter. Uh, well, I lost the first tweet. He said no. Uh, oh, he, was, he says, I don't think Justin Schultz is missing the Oilers right now, playing for the Stanley Cup. Good luck, great kid. And then he had some exchanges with fans. Um, he says, I was a good player for a long time before Edmonton. In another tweet, he says, uh, uh, look at the rest of my career. It's a graveyard for players. I didn't want to believe it. Uh, what else did he say, basically? Uh, he says, uh, I'm not talking about the city. I love the players there. It's the way they ran things there and the way the veterans were treated. He says, I tried and all the other veterans did too, but the kids did everything they want. I guess it worked out. Uh, signed all the kids to contracts uh, because top free agents will not go there. Uh, some of the comments from Eric Belanger. Well, I think a lot of things about this, uh, I, I suppose. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty for Eric Belanger and everybody looking back on Oilers' seasons. Uh, I know I, you, know, you, you know, you hear a lot of stories working in the media and talking to other hockey people and getting things through the grapevine. Uh, I know there are some people in the NHL who aren't fans of Eric Belanger. I know that I've, I heard a story once that one coach said, I would always take Eric Belanger, the player, Eric Belanger, the person, is a different question. Um, so, fair enough. Uh, I mean, it's it's easy to take shots at a team long after you've left. Uh, but I will say, I, I mean, look, the, the Oilers have just completed one of the worst decades in the history of professional sports in North America. I don't think I'm overstating it. They've been out of the playoffs for 10 years. They've been one of the worst teams in the league seven years consecutively. Clearly things are wrong. Um, did Eric Belanger help fix the, any of those problems? He did not. He claims that it wasn't his fault, and there's probably something to that. There's clearly been a, a misidentification of talent on several occasions by Oilers management. Um, what else did he say here? Uh, I mean, it's one thing that's been discussed on this show and, and, and other shows, and Rob Brown and I have talked about it. Were some of the younger players given too much money too soon and perhaps given the quote-unquote keys to the franchise a little too soon? I think that's a valid debate. Um, were they surrounded with uh, good veteran players? I don't, uh, you know, often enough, I don't think they were. 
Um, I mean, Belanger's performance was not good. I, I think he's passing the buck on that a little bit too much. So, I mean, I guess, Gabriel, if you want to know what I think, um, I think some of it is probably, are, are, are some of them are probably valid points that are revealing as to why the Oilers have failed for so long. I think uh, some of it are the uh, bitter ramblings of a man who's generally not well-liked in the National Hockey League. That's how I would sum it up. Uh, Gavin says, hey, Reed, here we go again uh, over ex-Oilers voicing a uh, valid opinion. Well, I, I do think there's some validity to his opinion. I, 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 I said that. I mean, like I said, the team has failed for a long time. You can't, you can't debate it. I mean, Craig McTavish said Justin Schultz had Norris Trophy potential. No one believed that. I don't think even the biggest Justin Schultz fan at the time believed that. So, I mean, now Justin Schultz isn't on the team. And, and, and now he's in a much better situation in Pittsburgh. He's on a better team, and he's playing more appropriate minutes. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some validity to what Eric Belanger said. I also, I also, quite frankly, think he's passing the buck to some extent on some of his shortcomings as a player while he was here. That's how I would, that's how I would summarize my feelings on that. It is 8.38, Rocky Thompson to talk a little bit about his prospects on the Windsor Spitfires when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, the first round of the NHL draft will be held on June 24th. Three members of the Windsor Spitfires in the Ontario Hockey League could be taken in that first round. Their head coach, former assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers, is Rocky Thompson. Rocky, welcome back to the 630 Chet Airwaves. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Really appreciate you making time for us on the show. And um, uh, hockey season winding down in terms of the, the playing part of things and obviously the, the level you coach at, the Canadian Hockey League, wrapped up a few days ago. And uh, a team from, from your league, the London Knights, uh, getting it done in the final. What was it like competing against them this season? Well, I'll tell you what, we, we actually had a, I think we may be the only team this year that beat London three times. Um, and, and you guys saw what, what it, people have to go through when they play the London Knights, particularly with that top line of a Dvorak, Marner, and then you got Kachuk on, on, the, on the wing there. It, it, it's tough. And you go into London, it's an unbelievable atmosphere. They sell out their building. They're passionate. There's green everywhere. And, you know, there's a, there's a hatred between the Windsor Spitfires and the London Knights because the teams have been going head-to-head and battling for not only the OHL championship, but the right to even go to the Memorial Cup for a number of years. And so um, it's great rivalry. I love it. It's like Calgary-Edmonton for the Ontario Hockey League. How did you enjoy this season as a head coach? Obviously, you were with the Oilers organization for several years in both the AHL and the NHL. You decided to, to move to junior and, and, and become a head man. How did the, how did the season yeah. go for you personally? What did you learn? Oh, it's been, it was outstanding. First of all, I, I got um, I worked for great people. Bob Bugner's our owner, Warren Reichel as well, and 
and another business group with uh, with uh, three gentlemen, Ryan Schwab, Stephen, and John Savage. Great people to work for. And then on a day-to-day basis, I have an outstanding staff. Trevor Latowski was my associate coach this year, and Jared Smith being my assistant really helped my transition back into junior hockey, particularly into the Ontario Hockey League. Um, very fortunate. Trevor had coached the past two years for the Sarnia Sting as their head coach, so that was a big help for me. And um, you know what? The transition wasn't that tough at all. As you know, with the Edmonton Oilers, um, there's been a lot of youth, a lot of youth with the Oilers and a lot of youth that was coming down to us in Oklahoma City. So so um, coaching these types of players, this new wave of player, um, wasn't something that I was foreign to. And, and then obviously I had a little bit of that experience with the Edmonton Oil Kings as well. So we had a great group of guys this year. Um, we were in a rebuild um, we kind of exceeded expectations. Unfortunately, at the start of the year, we lost who we thought was, and he would have been our best player, um, uh, Murphy, who ended up going to, um, he ended up making the National Predators um, farm team in Milwaukee, uh, Trevor Murphy. And he was going to be our, basically our captain and, and our, our go-to guy. He had, he led our team in points the previous year. So right away, the legs were kind of cut out from underneath us, but we rallied around a young group of players who really conformed and, and bought into what we as a coaching staff were trying to implement in our team game. And as a result, we were able to win 40 games. And this conference that we're in, uh, it, it's unbelievable when you look at the top rankings of the CHL. Um, you had the London Knights, you had the Kitchener Rangers in there, the Sarnia Sting. We were there as well. I, I'm, I'm actually, we were fifth place. I, I'm forgetting a team even right now, just off the top of my head, but that, it just goes to show that all those teams, there were five of us, had over 40 wins in 68 games played. So it's extremely hard here, but our young guys came through, and particularly um, these guys that are going into the draft this year that we're going to talk about, Logan Brown, Mikhail Sergachev, and Logan Stanley. Yeah, well, that's a 40-win season's pretty good for, for <laughs> a, a rebuilding season, no doubt about that. Uh, and, and, yeah, I do. Uh, Rocky Thompson joining us, head coach of the Windsor Spitfires and Insight Sport. As you want to transition into uh, some of your highly rated guys, uh, I mean, good for your organization to have three guys in the top 19 among North American skaters as ranked by Central Scouting. And uh, let's start with uh with logan brown who wound up seventh in the final ranking i mean uh everybody wants size <laughs> so you know that's that's a bonus for him there uh even better if you have the size and, and you you can play as well so i guess that's what uh people are hoping he turns out to be oh absolutely i'll tell you what logan really made huge strides this year um he, he started off okay but he wasn't scoring many goals he, he was kind of um hanging out on the perimeter a little bit. And then, um, you know what, Logan started to identify. He started to see those things. He, he really became coachable for us. Um, and as he started getting to those dirty areas, and it wasn't because he was afraid to be in front of the net or anything like that. It was more habitual coming out of minor hockey. And even last year, he kind of would camp out on the outside, make plays. And like I said, Trevor Murphy was a guy he would feed. Murph would go down and shoot and score. Um, but Logan needed to understand that in order to make that step to the next level, um, you're not just open on the outside. You've got to pass, and then you've got to go to the net and look for rebounds. Or, and players, good players, can get the puck back to you, you know, as you're going into those, those, those areas where you need to go in order to score. Logan, I think, had two goals. Um, gosh, it was well into no- November. Like, that's all. 
And he ended up, uh, I think he ended up with 21 goals this year. And that came primarily in the last half of the season. And that's why he started to shoot up the rankings because he's six foot seven. Um, he's about 220 pounds right now. And, and he's only 17 years old. Um, Logan's just starting to get comfortable in his body, starting to train. He's starting to put on muscle the right way. And that's why I think a lot of NHL teams look at him and they just see so much potential because his skill set is so high. He can really make a play. And people haven't even seen his shot yet, which is very underrated, just because his habits were just starting to become good as our season was progressing and we went into playoffs. So um, outside of those top three, Logan Brown's the best centerman in the draft. And even with those top three, there's nobody who will be able to match that kind of a physical presence that Logan's going to bring with the sheer size that he has. And actually, believe it or not, his ability to defend in the defensive zone is extremely underrated. I would put him out consistently, and bear in mind he's only 17. I put him out consistently against Kachuk, Dvorak, and, um, and, and Marner. And we keep Corsi stats here. It's something that, you know, from Dallas Aikens, when I was working with him, I, I saw how he used it in-game, and it was outstanding. We did that here. And uh, these guys would consistently five-on-five out-Corsi a line like that, which is amazing. Um, Christian Fisher was also on that line, and we kind of had a a rotating few on the left wing. But once Brendan Lemieux came in, um, that line would dominate, and Logan Brown was a big part of that, not just because of what they brought up ice, but because of their ability to defend in their own end and then transition. Well, uh, a guy that size is an enticing prospect, especially as you referenced, if he's willing to get into those scoring areas because he'd be tough to move out of there. Uh, Ranked eighth, one behind Brown on the Central Scouting North American rankings, Mikhail Sergachev, uh, I believe third in OHL defenseman scoring, plus he was named the top defenseman in the league. I mean, some people wonder, rankings aside, if he might be the first D-man taken in a few weeks here. It's up for debate for for sure whether he goes as the first defenseman or not. But I know him better than I know you know anybody else. He's the best defenseman um, by far to take in this draft. Um, the, the knocks on 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 Mikhail right now is just um, his aggressiveness in front of the net and in the corners. That's what you know scouts when we talk about him they kind of concerned about. Um, I got to tell you, like this is just more from a, a bad habit than it is an unwillingness to want to compete in those areas. Sergachev, in practice, in lots of games, he has that fire. He has that bite. He actually feeds off of that emotion when guys get into his face, et cetera, et cetera. So he has that element of his game. It's just it was his first year away from home, however many thousands of miles it is away from Russia where he grew up. And, and you know what? He just... He was able to come in here, embrace our culture. The kid didn't even know English. And all of a sudden, he's out there, and, and, you know, three months into our season, he's communicating. Not only is he communicating well, he's telling jokes. Like, his personality isn't like the, the typical European player that comes in, particularly from Russia, who's more stone-faced and reserved. He, he's, he's more North American, I would say, as far as, uh, you know, a stereotype would be concerned with how he carries himself in our locker room, which is, uh, is outstanding and really endeared himself to our teammates on top of all of those things. So I believe he is going to be able to defend at the next level, especially when we are able to, you know, help him over the course of next year. He has the best shot from the point in the CHL. Nobody can crack a, can crack a one-timer, a slap shot, drag and shoot like he can in our league. He scored 17 goals, which led um, – 
all defensemen in our league. And when you want and look at that top number one type defenseman, you want him to run your power play. And um, I believe he's the best option available to be able to do that. And then where he is weak can always be taught and strengthened uh, with good coaching. And, and that's going to be a focus for us next year. All right. And you also have on the back end, and uh, he's clocking in at 19th in the rankings, Logan Stanley. Is this another six foot six, six foot seven guy? You're running a basketball yeah. team there, Rocky, or what? Oh, it's great. I loved it. <laughs> I came in and, and, and I looked at my defense and I'm like, oh my gosh. The smallest one, six foot two or six foot three, it was great. And, um, and, and on top of that, like you think, uh, I think Stanley's actually potentially a little bit taller than six seven. It might, it'll be interesting once these combine results come out um, because I think he might have grown this year. But what's amazing about him is he has unbelievable feet for a big man of that size. Um, he, his ability to break out pucks was a huge thing for us this year. Uh, he was able to transition, get up ice. He's very underrated with his stick, his stick skills. It, um, now, unfortunately for, for Stanley, he wasn't uh, a guy who we played on the power play, although we could have, but we had these other options. We had some offensive weapons up front. We had four forwards on both units that, um, you know, Stanley was a guy who uh, didn't get that chance. So his statistics from an offensive perspective are a little bit lower than some would like in the first round. But I got to tell you, once he does get the opportunity to play on the power play, his statistics are going to go through the roof because he does have that ability and that club in his bag to walk the blue line. He's got a good shot. He plays with his head up and he sees his options. Um, like any defenseman who's young, there's mistakes that are made along the road. And when you're comparing his ability with the puck to a guy like Sergachev, there's a little bit of a discrepancy because Sergachev is so elite in that area. But that's not to take away from what Logan Stanley can do with the puck. Like I said, he was really, really good in our transition game, going back for pucks, being evasive, using his skill set to create passing lanes and to transition uh, up the ice. Plus, he's a mean guy. He, he's a guy who is very competitive. He knows he's the, the, the biggest guy in, in, in the yard type of uh, The old saying goes, he's the biggest dog in the yard. But, but like, he wants to prove that he is, too. To the other people and that's an outstanding thing to have for yourself so he has that ability and here's the last thing too he played the hardest and the heaviest minutes of any of our defensemen this year we put him in that role where we needed him to shut down the, the line the the Dvorak Marner Kachuk line he'd be on the ice against them his Corsi this year was was a positive Corsi I think it was 53 54 which uh, was outstanding and was a big reason why this team was able to turn a corner. We were, we were very good uh, with our goals against, and that was extremely young goaltending. And, and Stanley's defensive capabilities really shined through, and that's something that usually takes more time. And once we're able to fine-tune some of these details of his game moving forward, he's going to be so hard to play against that it's going to be an absolute nightmare, not only at our level, but when he makes that next step to the NHL. Well, Rocky, good for you guys to have three players ranked so highly. Obviously, a lot of promise surrounding all those guys. Rocky Thompson joining us on Inside Sports, now the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL. Before I let you go, I, I got to take you back to uh, to your. I mean, there's so much going on with these kids now. The combine and and being watched and all the mock drafts. 
You went 72nd overall in 1995 to the Calgary Flames. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think the hype and everything surrounding that draft would have been the same. Uh, that was the draft in Edmonton. I mean, did, back then, did you did you know where you were going to get picked? Did you think you were going to get picked at all? What would you? Well, what, what well you know you what? First of all, there was hype, but it had nothing to do with me. It was between <laughs> Wade Redden and Brian Burrard. It was also the time where. Edmonton, we were, and it was in Edmonton was my draft, and everybody was chanting Shane Doan's name, um, and then the Oilers surprised everybody, and I think they took Steve Kelly with that pick, you know what I mean? And so there was drama, there was excitement, it just, I was so far down the line, but I'll tell you what, this is what helped me out at that draft. They didn't have Combine back then, but they would do interviews the days leading up to the draft, and um, I had some really good interviews when I went and interviewed with people. Uh, with those teams and particularly with the, the Calgary Flames. So that was, um, that, was, that was huge for me to be able to talk to them and, and them to see um, the type of person that I was and, and that I was an athlete and that I was somebody who could improve because I wasn't the best, as you know. But um, I did have a work ethic, and so that was something that I think they, they identified with, that there was potential for me to improve on where I was at. And so it helped me out a lot. Well, and, uh, you know, you had a lot of great experiences as a player, and now you're doing it as a coach. And, Rocky, we wish you all the best. Thanks so much for weighing in on your experiences with Windsor this season. Enjoy the summer. Maybe I'll see you at the draft, and all the best in the future, man. Sounds good, Reed. Don't be a stranger. Anytime you want to talk about these guys, let me know. Yeah, will do. Rocky Thompson, great stuff. Head coach of the Windsor Spitfires, uh, assistant coach on the Oilers farm team, uh, one year as an assistant coach with the Oilers as uh well, Windsor had a had a good season, but a tough playoff draw. They didn't make it past the first round. So, uh, you know, three guys with them might go in the top 20, top 25 for the Windsor Spitfires. A couple defensemen in the 6-6, 6-7 range. So, you know, they're going to get a serious look from the NHL. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. 34 seconds left in the third quarter. Close game. Game one of the NBA Finals. Golden State up 71-68 on Cleveland golf the uh, memorial started today first round Dustin Johnson has the lead he is eight under par one shot lead for him all right tomorrow on inside sports I'll be live from Commonwealth Stadium keeping you updated on the Eskimos mock game I believe we're going to get Bob Stoffer on from uh, Buffalo more talk on the Stanley Cup final all f- uh, fun stuff it'll be worth tuning in Thanks to our guests tonight, Rocky Thompson, Jamie Nye, Dave Campbell, Jason McKee, Drew Remenda, Jack Michaels. Dave Campbell's also the producer of this show, the studio producer tonight, Bernard Suen, right? Who now knows there are how many teams in the CFL? Nine. Yes! Yep. (laughs) Good stuff, buddy. Uh, Brendan Ulrich will have Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to everybody who texted and called as well. Always enjoy interacting with you. Talk to you tomorrow. Just a boat out the ocean, up in the sky. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.